Chicago lives up to its nickname, the Windy City. Winds of up to 90 miles an hour bring the less hardy to a standstill or use them like a Scotsman's curling stones. Alley fight between Fitz and Combs. You both get to pick three all-time Sox and Cubs as part of your alley fight. My my number one draft pick is Michael Barrett. Michael Barrett, you're out of your mind. Michael, but you see that right hook? Ask AJ Przezinski if he wants to get hit with that right hook. You can ask AJ Przezinski that. I will. That's gonna be that's such a podcast question. I shut up. Go to Rizzo. It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. Rebay has it. He throws. Out! Out! A White Sox winner and a World Championship! And welcome to Windy City Sports Talk. I am Brandon Combs alongside my co-host Ryan Fitzgibbons. We have a lot to get to tonight. We're going to be talking about the Chicago Cubs making the surge in the NL Central and in the wild card. We're going to talk about the dysfunctional Chicago White Sox and whatever train wreck they have going on. Stop that! We're getting ready for week one of the Chicago Bears who say they are 99% healthy. We'll get into a little bit of that, but if you miss any part of today's live broadcast, you can now catch us on all podcast platforms, including Amazon Music, Spotify, and Pandora. We're also available on iHeartRadio. As always, make sure to click that like button, share, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. It costs you nothing. It helps us out tremendously, so please click that like, share, and subscribe. And if you have any feedback for us or have something you want us to talk about or questions you want us to answer, you can email us at combsandfits, all one word, combsandfits at gmail.com. Fitzy, what's going on, buddy? Been a couple weeks. How are we doing? Yeah, I missed you. (laughs) I miss you, too. Aren't you like 95.95% healthy if your starting guard is out for six weeks? I mean, I'm just saying. But I don't yeah. expect football players to be to major in math. <laughs> but yeah, Dracovic looked good, even even in a sort of disappointing Cincinnati series because you could have taken at least three out of four there. Should have swept. Lost three out of four too. I mean, uh, they still look good, man. Yeah. I mean, it, it it looks good. It looks way better than it did eight, nine, ten weeks ago. Well, uh, they you know, should they should have swept. I mean, they lost two of those games with leads oh. in the ninth inning. Up your butt, Jobu. That's what and, it's about. <laughs> well, it's, see, look, look, I'm happy because, right, like, what was this? About three weeks ago, the Cubs were three games under 500. And I asked you, I said, look, I picked them to win 86, 87 games. Do you think you could get there? And mm-hmm. you said, no, I don't think at this point. I, I think maybe, you know, 81, 82, 83 wins. A couple games over 500 stuck, is where you saw them at. I should have stuck with my beginning prediction, which was definitely should, over 500. Should have stuck stu- stuck with me with the 86, 87, because right now, in order for the, the Cubs to go 86 and 76, which would be 162 games, 10 games over 500, they would have to be 12 and 12 the rest of the way. And the way this team is playing, I don't see that happening. I mean, anything could happen. They could they could stumble. They could have a little bit of a losing streak here. 
But what they've been doing lately, man, is they've been staying in ball games. This offense has been keeping them in ball games. The pitching staff has not been outstanding outside of Justin Steele. Um, but there has been some some things that I question again with David Ross. <laughs> when you're you're like let's take Saturday's game into account, right? They lose that game after you get Jeremiah Assad, who you tell him before the game, hey, look, we need six strong out of you because our bullpen is depleted. We don't have another off day for two weeks. We need some length out of you. And he goes out and gives you eight strong. And instead of bringing him out for the ninth inning, which I, if you're not going to do that, fine. But instead of bringing in your closer, Edward Alzali, you say he's unavailable. Then... You don't bring in Merriweather because you say he is unavailable. Okay, cool. You've got a player that you traded for. And when they, uh, admittedly, I will be the first one to tell you I was wrong. When they traded for Quas from the Kansas City Royals, I said that was a stupid trade. I didn't understand the trade. The guy's got a five ERA. However, whatever they saw on him has panned out because in 13 appearances with the Chicago Cubs, Quas has a ERA of 0.71. And you didn't even bring that guy out. That's good. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That's 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 pretty damn good. You bring out you bring out Mark Leiter Jr., who has basically struggled since June first. Can't throw strikes, and what does he do? Walks two, hits one, and leaves Quas with the bases loaded, and in an impossible situation. Quas then gives up a a little bleeding single to tie the game. And then could have tried to double play. It was pretty damn close at first play, base. Ultimately, Hunter Renfro beats it out, and the Cubs lose this game. And you're not – look, I, yes, right now they're sitting pretty in the second wild card spot. They're two games behind uh, the Phillies for the first wild card spot. They are three games up on everybody else for the second wild card spot. Now, you got Miami in there. You got Arizona in there. You got San Francisco in there, who you beat today. Yeah, Arizona, you're playing them later this week, and you play them again next week in Arizona. And you got Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. The same Cincinnati team that you allowed. Now, Friday's contest, I, I have no problem with with that, the, the way Ross managed it. You you brought in Alzali. Alzali was very uncharacteristic in that game and, and blew a save. But that Saturday game is strictly on Ross. That decision... To bring out Mark Leiter Jr., if you're not going to give Assad a chance to finish that game and you're going to bring in your bullpen, you might not want to bring in in a one-run game in the ninth inning a guy who is struggling to throw strikes for the last three months. That's what a game like today would be for. Had he brought in Quas and they blow that game, I don't have a problem yeah, get him with, with Ross. But today you're up 5 nothing in the ninth inning. That would be the time to bring out Mark Leiter Jr., that's the time to bring out a Drew Smiley. That's the time to bring out some of these guys that are struggling when you have a big lead and you say, all right, look, if you get two or three guys on, I'm pulling you. And then I can go to somebody else because we have a big lead. But he's not doing that. He's he's pulling, he's pulling the wrong strings at the wrong time. And I don't know if it's going with his gut too much. I don't know if it's doing things out of, you know, characteristic. I don't know what it is. But David Ross is going to single-handedly cost the Cubs a playoff series. Uh, and and it's going to be bad. 
Like in my uh, text, he reminds me of Ricky Renteria. He does. Good baseball guy, smart guy, can develop young talent. You know, <laughs> obviously Ross has been able to do that here and just cannot manage a bullpen one and maybe isn't ready for prime time too. Uh, with Renteria, it was, I think, uh, a little worse, for lack of a better term, a little bit more pronounced, uh, just because Renteria wasn't as long of a baseball player as wasn't doing it as long in, in actual baseball as Ross has, which is a little disconcerting for Ross. Yeah, uh, Jana checking in. I think what's what going she's on, got, Jana? I think when she says dysfunctional. There's only one team she could be talking about. We're not talking <laughs> about that right now. <laughs> Stay tuned, though. <laughs> but or or don't. <laughs> yes. I and look. But uh, yeah, he just reminds me of some guy like that. A to B, not A to C. It, yeah, and and it almost seems like his relationship with his players, and we've said this before, means more to him than wins and losses. And that's a bad thing for somebody trying to be relevant in October, trying to be a winning team. And can we just not? Yeah, I would like we're, we're, we're going to just briefly, Jeremiah, briefly. We need to talk about fat folds and hiding guns. Like there's just that's no, there's no way that's getting past us. But at any rate, I don't. <laughs> The Cubs are are two games up, or three games up. I'm sorry, on the second wild card spot, they got uh, four teams chasing them down for that second wild card spot. They're two games behind Philly, and they are at the moment three games behind Milwaukee, who is losing right now four to two in Pittsburgh in the top of the sixth inning. So, do you think the Cubs can win a playoff series? If so, the way the playoffs work, I know we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and we were both kind of iffy as to what they were doing. So, what baseball has done is the one and two seeds, the one and two seeds actually get a buy. The three plays the six, so the winner of the NL Central is going to play the six seed. The four, the first wild card plays the second wild card, and they play a three game series in the home ball field of the higher seed. So. The Cubs right now, as the stands, would play the Phillies. If the Cubs were to win the division, which means that Milwaukee would have to falter, chances are Milwaukee might fall into that third wild card spot. So they would end up playing probably Milwaukee, maybe Cincinnati, maybe Miami. We'll see how you know how it works out. But they would play them at Wrigley. Or if it stops the way it stops now, and Milwaukee wins this division, and, and Philadelphia wins the number one, and the Cubs win the number two, they're going to play Philly in Philly. Do you think the Cubs can win a first-round playoff series and get to the Final Four in the National League? Three-game series? Three-game series. The Sox can win a th- three-game series at this point. I mean, they beat the Braves. I know it wasn't the playoffs, but they beat the Braves when the Braves had their pitching set up. I mean... It's three games. That's why I hate these three-game series. I almost don't even like a five-game series. You pay 162 games, and what you're going to do is uh, now – and Doubting Thomas is just doing that to piss me off. So, And I'm not I'm not taking the bait. I'm Doubting not Thomas says, welcome back, guys. I'm on the Cubs bandwagon. 
<laughs> I'm not taking the bait. Yes. Yeah, they can. A seven-game series, I don't think so. But, um, you know, it, it is baseball. Like we argued about, they, they can. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. Anything is possible. We'll talk more about that later in the show with some of the pundits from ESPN, you know, basically saying whatever they want, I guess. I mean, which is what they're paid for, but they say whatever. We'll get to it later. But uh, yeah, three game series. I think any almost any team in the league can win that. That's why it's so fucking dumb. I mean, it's it's a little bit better, I guess, than one game series, but this is baseball. You play 162 games to play a three game series in the playoffs. Yeah. And, and that's where, so I'm going to, we'll talk about the playoffs too, in, in the scenarios and in the way that, that they're running it and, and how I believe that they should run it. They but I believe a, in series in basketball and they play 82 games. I mean, it's just right. You know. Right. Well, but you, when you think about it too, baseball is, is a season long of three game series and four game series. Like that's what you play all season long, right? And as opposed to to dropping games from the regular season, which they've been reluctant to do for some reason, they've they've made it so that you play a three game series in the wild card, and then maybe you have to throw your number four starter when you get to the first game of the um of the of the divisional round, or Another thing that sets you back is if you win the first two games, you might have to go with your three starter versus the other teams. One in the division series, depending on how your rotation sets up, which scares me for the Cubs. However, they've made it abundantly clear all season long that they play well in short series versus really good teams. They've done it to the Dodgers. They've beaten the Phillies this year. They've they every time. The the Rays they they've beaten the Brewers. They just took two out of three from the Brewers, who are winning their division right now. They they took four out of six from the Braves this year. They took four out of six from the Braves. They, you know, so the good teams they've played very well against. And and minus the month of May, this Cubs team probably could have ran away with this division if they didn't have such a bad May. (laughs) It was it was one of those things. But I think that the Cubs can win. A playoff I series. I think they can win today. a three game. Like when you got Justin Steele, who is now 16 and three, when you've got Kyle Hendricks, who has the pedigree and has won a World Series, I don't know who your number three is going to be at this point. I might throw Jeremiah Assad because it certainly is not going to be Jamison Tyon. And I, I've got tickets for Friday's game and I almost don't want to go just because Tyon is slated to pitch. And <laughs> if you're asking me, if if I'm the Cubs, I'm I'm pushing Tyon back, and I'm not letting Tyon pitch again until we've clinched a playoff spot. Because I'm not taking that. I would rather take the chance with a youngster out of you know, whether it's Kate Horton, whether it's it's you know um, any of these young arms that they've called up for these September call-ups. I would give Tyon some time off because this guy is just hey three home runs yesterday in seven batters yeah that's not good right no that's that's not good from a guy who was paid to come onto your club to be maybe an ace or a number two starter that's not good so they've got some work to do i don't know what their their thing can be but i do think that they they can win a playoff series 
Um, even when you get to the divisional series, it's only a five game series, it's not even a seven game series in the divisional round. So that's another one where it's a short series and, and anything can happen. I just, I'm not sure the Cubs have enough pitching to beat one of the top three teams in the national league. Here's my, uh, another, I mean, with the three game series, let's say somehow the White Sox slip and fall into competency this year and they win 74 games and Dylan sees is the Dylan sees from last year. Could they win the division if they win 74 games? Well, not this, not now. No, the twins have been okay. I think they're almost at 74, but I'm saying, let's say they do. And one of their only good players is Dylan sees and he's as good as he was last year. And you're playing them in a three-game series. That's tough if you've won 100 games. Yes. <laughs> to play them in a three-game series, Dylan Cease might be able to play the, might be able to come in for an inning or two in the third game. He pitches seven, zero, you know, shutout innings. You right. could be out from a 74-win team. That's my problem with it. And not and only... got to do something about it. Rob Manfred, he'll be on that, though, because he's super competent. Yeah, no, Rob, Rob Manfred will do anything he can to destroy the game. So if baseball fans don't like it, he's going to do it. Um, it. And speaking of which, which would piss anybody off, they got to do something about the waiver wire rule. We yeah. talked about this through text message. The Los Angeles Angels basically gave put everybody that they traded for on the waiver wire. And it goes in reverse order of the standings. And I always thought that if you made a waiver claim, you went to the back of the line. It goes to you first and you have that option. So say it was Lucas Giolito was first and you picked up Lucas Giolito. Okay, great. You get Lucas Giolito, but you go to the back of the line. It didn't work that way. And the Cleveland Indians gathered just about everybody that the Angels dropped and anybody who was left off the waiver wire, the Cincinnati Reds picked up. I don't know how you as a major sport or you as just a, an individual, maybe Shanna sitting at home, maybe Jeremiah sitting at home, doubting Thomas. Maybe you guys could, could explain to me, because when I think about something logically, if I know, hey, look, you know, Ryan, me and you are playing in a fantasy league. You and I know each other. We're friends. And I'm like, you know what? I'm out of it this year. Hey, you know what? I'm going to heads up. I'm going to drop my quarterback and my top wide receiver. You're on the waiver wire. You get to pick up the first and you get, and there's no limit on how many guys you get to pick up. You're going to pick up everybody and you're going to know that they're being dropped and you're going to know that it's coming and you're going to know who you're getting. You can't do that in major sports. I mean, it's bad enough in a fantasy league. I see it all the time, but it's, it's bad enough in a fantasy league let alone doing it in major sports and to not let any of these other teams be able to claim guys off of the waiver wire is to me, I don't, I don't understand how, how you could say that that can't be seen as collusion. Yeah. I mean, it's not just collusion. It just seems unfair. I mean, they should get one guy and like, like we were saying, they go to the back of the line. I mean, collusion is going to happen. But you're right. I mean, it just allows for collusion uh, now between teams. I mean, the Indians were able uh, to, you know, get pretty lucky here. And Gilito's had a good season. Uh, he, you know, he's constantly tinkering with his pitching. He had a few bad starts to start the season. And we thought, God, is this guy just done? 
and you have to hand it to him. Doesn't have a great fastball. Doesn't really have that great curveball he had when he was younger. Uh, I don't know what happened to it, but, um, you know, throws a slider pretty good, though. Spots the fastball. Always has that changeup that, that is, you know, really just, you know, a lot of hitters can't do much to it. And it really keeps the left-handed batters off balance. So they got a pretty damn good pitcher. Probably not a number two anymore but definitely a solid number three. And in a long series that could help down the, you know, he goes, he does what Lance Lynn is doing with the Dodgers. You know, maybe Cleveland wins the division because of that. And maybe they make some noise in the playoffs. Probably not. I don't think they got what it takes, but uh, at least gives him a shot. He goes four and oh, five and oh, <laughs> and six, yeah. seven starts. Uh, that turns things around and, you know, and not only that, but then it sets your rotation up in, in the postseason better than yeah. what it already was. Yeah, good. And, and and I'm okay with it if like I said, if they go if they go and they claim Lucas Giolito first, that's the by being the team with the with the worst record that made a claim on them, they they have that right. And then if everybody else passes on everybody else available, yeah, and you still get all those guys, then fine. Then fine. Same thing with, with you know you, your buddy, your favorite pitcher that the White Sox put on ravers, Mike Clevenger. I know you guys have it's each other's up. phone numbers and you guys text a lot, but I don't understand why <laughs> you know Mike Mike Clevenger passes through waivers and, and nobody, you know what I mean? No, the Cubs didn't want to take a, a chance on him because it puts them over the, the luxury tax threshold and they don't want to take that chance. And Mike Clevenger is not worth it. So they push him. And then you've got, you know, these other teams that are, are just sitting there waiting. I mean, the Cubs could have used the relief pitcher. The Cubs could have used, you know, Ronaldo Lopez or, or any of these other guys yeah. that got released. And it said, they just, they had no shot at getting anybody because everybody was claimed before they were given the opportunity. Yeah, Ronaldo's got some talent, but I don't know if you want that sack of shit. I mean, <laughs> he, he just doesn't hit it between the ears. You know, he's kind of like the Michael Kopech disease. Michael Kopech, you know, I think, you know, walked five guys in two innings uh, yesterday and got hurt again. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, you know, maybe he turns it around and he's the guy he, he, he's been the last year and a half. Who knows? At least you have a chance, you know, to get somebody. Right. Yeah. And Jeremiah Murray says maybe if you couldn't claim back-to-back, it'd be a yeah. little better once someone else makes a pickup, you're back to the top of the list, whatever the case is. I, I just, they, they've got to do something about it. They've got to change it because it's just, I, and this is a once, it doesn't happen like this all the time. There's not always a ton of guys on the waiver wire. You might get one or two, but the fact that it happened with so many. What are the angels doing? They traded Eddie Quaro, Quaro, I think is his name to the Sox, a switch hitting catcher, top hundred prospect in the league probably top 75 going to be probably top 50 because he's raking now and 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 double a uh you get rid of that guy for giolito and then you just yeah i guess just flush the toilet on it all they traded Uh, their third their fifth their ninth and their 23rd prospect for all of these guys at the trade deadline that's and and now you just wavered them all like and I don't know, and we were talking about this the other day over the phone. I don't know if with the torn UCL from Shohei, maybe they believe his market values, A, 
either going to bring him back to L.A. Or B, maybe they had a conversation with Shohei already and he said he's not coming back. So they just said, screw it, blow it up. We're not yeah. hunt, we're not doing anything here. Just I don't want to pay anybody else. Blow it up. I don't think he's going to say just, well, I'm not going to come back. I mean, he might. He, he might. might have, but, I mean, he, he's right there. I mean, he's closer to home there. Yeah, uh, They've definitely taken care of him pretty well and had him mature into the league. <laughs> he's, he's done very well. Uh, I think the price comes down and maybe they're clearing payroll to, you know, pay him. But but who knows? It could very well be, hey, I'm not coming back. I'm looking elsewhere. He, he could have said that. He could have been honest there. But how how often does that really happen where a guy says, yeah, I'm done? Did the torn UCL bring him back down and bring more teams in play? Oh, yeah. Or or do you believe somebody's not, still going to sign him at the mm. at the big price? Maybe the Yankees at the big price, because that's what they do. To say, hey, hopefully you can come back as a pitcher, and if you think you can, we'll throw you out there till your arm falls off, and then we'll just DH you. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, definitely brings the Yankees back. Maybe even the Mats. I know uh, Cohen said uh, the owner of the Mats said he wasn't going to be in it, but I, a lot of more teams are in the sweepstakes. I'll tell you this: the White Sox aren't in the sweepstakes. That's what uh, Jerry Reinstorf's weird ass said. I don't know why he came out of his cave and spoke at all because nothing he said made any sense and actually just reaffirmed all the things we already knew that he thinks he's a smart baseball guy, but he's not. I mean, I, he's like politicians in this country. They think they know what the hell they're doing, but they're crazy enough to think they know what the fuck they're doing, but they don't. And I guess I'm doing it again. And, <laughs> the Mets... The Mets, maybe Cohen's not in on him because he just spent $353 million this year on payroll to go 63 and 74. Ooh. So <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe that's why Cohen's like, nah, we're not, we're not gonna do that. Hold on, let us reset a little bit and then we'll, <laughs> and then we'll go for the gold again. I'm going to chop my dick off. Yeah, that's that's how that feels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of, uh, what a hundred and twenty-five million over the luxury tax. Right, right. That's... And I want to get into the White Sox, and we're going to get into the White Sox here. Before we do, let's let's get back to to Major League Baseball and the playoffs. So you the got the three game. They play they play a three game series, then they play a five game series, then they play a seven game series, then there's the World Series, which is also a seven game series. I I'm with you. I don't like the the three game wild card. I do like, however, I do like the fact, and maybe it's just me because I do enjoy chaos in sports. I really do. Me, I, I like the fact that the one seed gets to call out what team they want. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I I like that fact that after both series are over, the one seed says, "Hey, we want this team," because one that puts some flair into the series. Because the team that's getting called out is like, okay, you want us? Because there was a one seed last year. I forget who. I can't remember which one it was. It was the American League. Whoever the one seed was in the American League called out, and, and they said they wanted, you know, the the whatever team it was. And the lower seed team upset them. And it was a big thing because afterwards they were like, yeah, they said they wanted us, and now they got us. Like, yeah. that, that to me, it adds a little bit to the players on the team that's getting called out. Um so I do like the one seed being able to pick their opponent. Um, but I do think that it should be 
I think you need to shorten the regular season, maybe to like 154 games. And you need to play all seven game series. Maybe you don't give the one and two seed a buy, which I'm fine with too. And and afterwards you can reseed and still allow the number one seed to pick who they want to play in the second round if they survive. I I would like to see all seven game series. There's no no reason why baseball can't do it. There's no reason why they have to play 162 games. And as much as I love baseball. And and I do love baseball. And I watch like right now on the screen behind me or in front of me, I should say, I've got the Brewers and Pirates going. Before the Brewers and Pirates, I was watching the 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 Mariners and um, uh, who the hell were the Mariners playing? Uh, whoever the hell they were playing, I was watching the Mariners game, and because I just like watch baseball, I watch four or five games a day, but 162 games in a season can be shortened, especially if you're going to give your, your fan base, your, you know, everybody that you're trying to appease with all of these new rules and shortening the length of the games. You could bring them back by playing more October baseball, playing more playoff baseball, doing the things that, you know, the, the, the series that matter are the playoffs. The you, know, you do all the stuff to get to the playoffs, but once you're in the playoffs, that's the series that matter. Who wants to see their team? If you get, if you lose the first two games of a three game series, you're out. The big thing when they went, almost went on strike uh, a year ago or over a year ago now uh, was that some teams didn't care if they lost because they're, you know, with the luxury tax money, the teams like Pittsburgh who aren't even trying to win or like Oakland, they get some of that money back uh, to fill their coffers or whatever the hell they do with it. Um, so they wanted to incentivize teams for trying to win. Well, what better way to do that than have 154 games? We're going to take four games away from you uh, for the regular season. And if you want to make more money, owner, well, yeah, yeah. Make it to the fucking playoffs then, dipshit. <laughs> and there you go. You know what I mean? I mean, that was yeah, one of the up. big collect- about the collective bargaining agreement. That was one of the big bugaboos was that some teams just don't care if they win or lose. And they know they're going to get that luxury tax money at the end of the year anyway. And some people are going to come to the park and they just make money that way. Right. But they don't want to give up big contracts. They don't want to. It's not just contracts, too. It's building the infrastructure to be a competent baseball team, scouting and developing and all the things you have to do right uh, to be a consistent winner. And it would be hard for me to fathom that owners wouldn't be in favor of shortening the regular season and and expanding the postseason, right, with the cost of ticket prices in the postseason, with you know added revenue and, and having more games in the playoffs, more meaningful baseball, you're more likely to fill your stadium in October or the latter weeks of September with a playoff game than you are with a game that means nothing because you already clinched two weeks ago. I could almost you know hear, I can almost hear Theo Epstein action overall action overall and their desire for faster pace of play for more athleticism on display in the field. Oh. He likes action. Well, right. But you're gonna I mean you're gonna have some owners like Jerry Reinsdorf who who don't want because he knows he's not going to the playoffs anytime soon, who don't want to lose games in, in later September. What's that? He wants to get close to making the playoffs so he can dangle the carrot for the fans. 
Right. And speaking of dangling the carrot, <laughs> let's get to the elephant in the room, which is the Chicago White Sox. <laughs> so there's two different places we could start. Do you want to start with fat folds or do you want to start with fat folds? Okay, let's start, I would with, like fat to folds. start with fat folds. And and, and that it, for any future conversation, we'll always start with fat folds. So we don't okay. really even need to ask that question again. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I feel like I'm going back to my Marine Corps days. <laughs> so <laughs> so the White Sox had a shooting last Friday at the ballpark and it turned out there was a whole lot of investigating going on which now has all of a sudden become very very quiet which i don't understand the white Sox don't address it the media is not addressing it the the chicago police are not addressing it. like i don't know what is going on but chanisisa trust says he dangled the dingling for two <laughs> there you go Jana. so you you stopped talking about it, but this woman apparently snuck in a gun in the folds of her belly, and she went to one gate. It didn't work. She said she forgot something in the car, went to another gate, didn't work, said she forgot something in the car, and then finally went to a third gate where they just wandered her through. And then it falls out of her fat fold at some point during the game, hits the ground, shoots herself in the leg, and grazes somebody else. Crazy, crazy. <laughs> Too crazy. Not only that, but she not only did she get shot and, and ruin her her seat for the game and, and everything else, and she'll probably never get into another game again, hopefully. I mean, who knows with Chicago security right now? <laughs> but she ruined Vanilla Ice's post-game concert. <laughs> which uh, most people who were still there in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning were only there for the vanilla ice concert. So how bad is that That your baseball team Is selling tickets and people are only Still there because Vanilla Ice Is playing afterwards in 2023 oh <laughs> So God this, this scenario sums up the White Sox Organization over the last 10 years perfectly By the way so yeah, shoot mean, herself, and, and then and then they do an investigation. They find out how what happened, blah, blah blah. But then all of a sudden she clams up and she's not talking anymore. Now she clearly she brought this gun in for a reason. There somebody I don't know if there was somebody in her sights, blah blah blah, whatever the case is. But now nobody is talking about it. Chicago police aren't talking about it. The White Sox aren't talking about it, and the media can't get any answers. So what the hell is going on with your White Sox, man? Uh, why do you? Every week we live in the same, well, we used to live in the same city. Like, uh, like I, well, it's the Chicago way. I mean, I wish I had that, that, that little bit from the untouchables. The Thank Chicago way me. is the fact that the gun went off and yeah. nobody in the immediate vicinity realized it. That <laughs> one. Two, you're not hearing a lot about it. And then you have an owner of a baseball team saying, well, it had to come from outside. It's safe inside. But right outside the building, it's not safe. Like, what are you saying? Like, this is this is uh, this is just 
a public relations nightmare. Like if you're doing public relations, just do not listen to Jerry Reinsdorf or the Sox, who actually were have been okay at it. Maybe they slip and fell into being okay at it a couple few years ago, but are terrible at it now. I mean, I don't get how you are you're arguing whether it's inside or outside. Who cares? You say this was bad. We're doing everything we can to fix it. This is a terrible event. This is not the Chicago White Sox or what we want to purport. And maybe you listen to my Fitz gibberish from, from a few weeks ago and actually do something about the about stuff around the city. Jeremiah <laughs> Murray says her fold went back into the left. Back, back to the left. The left. <laughs> JFK was a hero. Anyway, uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and then she's holding it in her fat pose. There is no other city and no other place in the world where this is possible. Because first of all, the city is fat. Do you blame the security guard? I mean, because at what point, look, you walked through, it beeped, you checked checked her and and you run the wand over her and she lifts up her shirt. You don't see anything because she's got folds. Are you supposed to go into the folds? I well, so it did go off, and they're just like, ah, oh, she's got a freaking bionic knee or something. Yes. Or, uh, well, she said it was her belt buckle. Well, yeah, and you don't want her to take that belt buckle off. You don't know what's going to happen after First that. First of all, if she gets <laughs> pants around her waist, they're not falling down. <laughs> it's it's pop. Well, you don't even want that to happen. Hey, fucking minute is. <laughs> I mean, you never know. You don't even want that to happen. I mean, you don't even want to like go by the belt buckle or have her touch her belt buckle at that point. And the people are going through so quickly too. It's kind of hard. Like we, they've done their due diligence once she goes through there, and it's like, oh yeah, I got freaking. I don't know. I got metal in my blubber. Shanna says, I set off metal detectors with nothing on me. Maybe it was my bra that set it off. So you brought in guns, too, is what you're saying. Yes, in your bra. Jeremiah Murray says, they're not paying those people enough to be reaching into yeast-infected fat. Ah, shut up. Ah, shut up. Unbelievable. (laughs) Where does he get this shit? He writes the script before the show. He didn't even know we were going on today. <laughs> I don't know, but it, it gets me going sometimes. He's yeah. pretty good. I mean, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, we talked about it before. I, it's that neighborhood. We had, They had the scam earlier in the year where they were telling people to park in a certain area and then robbing their cars or just taking the money and there wasn't even really a park place to park. Uh, earlier this year, uh, there, there has been several, you know, again, uh, buying organizations, buying groups who have come to try to beautify the area around there. And Jerry Reinstorf hasn't wanted to do anything about it, but yet anytime he does anything philanthropic, he wants to trumpet that out. But yet yeah. you are in the middle of a neighborhood. Like I said it a week and a half ago, that is, that has been bad our entire lives. Our entire lives, even before the crack epidemic, if you want to call it that or whatever the hell, it's been bad our entire lives. And you've done nothing. And sure, I haven't done much either, but that's something I have to live with. But you have done 
jack and fucking squat. You've done as much for, for the neighborhood as you did for your GM hire, which was nothing. Yeah. Which was nothing. And then what, you bring this captain. What's worse right now? Security out guaranteed rate or the GM at guaranteed rate? I'm going to go with the GM. I mean, because I'm not going to put this on the security there. I'm going to go with the GM who seems like, and and look, I, I thought Chris Getz was a pretty decent guy. Thought he would be an okay prospect, actually, a left-hitting second baseman, uh, but just didn't have the pop in his bat and didn't work out. Okay, great. And sometimes those are pretty good baseball guys because they know how to do the fundamentals and they know what the fundamentals look like. But I don't see that here. I see a weasel who weaseled his way in. <laughs> Who, who, who pulled uh, 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 Lane Kiffin uh, from about 15, 20 years ago. Uh, uh, yeah, for the Raiders. Yep. Uh, who basically, you know, uh, uh, you know, fleeced uh, the owner there. Um, uh, kind of like pulled the wool over his eyes and then got fired. He was he was the coach, though, uh, of the Raiders then, not the, you know, L. Davis. Uh, mm-hmm. and Al David had to come out and say, Hey, he's, you know, he's basically a con man, this kid. And Lane Kiffin somehow still has a job, probably because of his dad, Monty Kiffin, who changed defense and in, in football forever. But I digress. You, you know, this guy seems to be doing the same thing with, with a Jerry Reinsdorf who looks compromised, unfortunately. Maybe, maybe he's not. And I, I'm not, I don't want to be an ageist here. I think too many people in this country are. Uh, but at 87, 88, he just did not look good at that press conference. Um, looked like a deer in the headlights. Did, did did not make a hell of a lot of sense when you're saying that you don't want to bring in another GM to evaluate your team for a year. Yeah, I can on base value evaluate your team. It's a bunch of horseshit. It's one good pitcher and and one fantastic center fielder, and that's all you fucking got. Pretty much, pretty much. Your left fielder's okay. You know, and maybe your shortstop is a reclamation project in in his, um, uh, you know, contract year next year. Maybe. Uh, But other than that, you don't have anything. You have a first baseman that's almost a bust. He's a one-war player. Well, not not only does he talk about, you know, uh, Chris Getz and Chris Getz saying, oh, uh, you know, the the fan base deserves different. Well, you're right about that. They definitely deserve different. Mm -hmm. They deserve a different GM as well. They, for him to say he is different, I I beg to differ, Chris, because you've been with this organization long enough and we've watched you fail at your job long enough. And the best, the best that I heard was this week. I heard, I forget who said it uh, on sports radio here in Chicago, but they said, it's like if you have a first and second string quarterback and a third string quarterback and they're all about on the same level and none of them are very good. And you release the number one and the number two and you go into the season with your number three. Yeah. Like it, yeah, that sounds about right. It's been so bad for the Chicago White Sox. And then when it, it's not even that he looked bad at the press conference, it's the things that he said and that that guarantee that he has kind of lost touch with reality like when he defends the hiring of Tony Larusa again, uh, and he says, "I'm tired of having to defend the hiring of Tony Larusa." We went to the playoffs in 2021 and won yeah. 93 games. How was that a bad hire? You should have won 100. You should have won 100. You should have went deeper into the playoffs. You probably should have won that World Series. 
but you didn't because you had a guy who had lost touch with the with game because the of his game. stubbornness because he he knows better than everybody else like when he's going after reporters when he has a one two count look like we talk about this all the time baseball has evolved since 2005 yeah you could get athletic players like kenny williams like yeah you could develop players back before the 2000 season and have a great season really have a lot of talent back then that they basically wrote out for a decade you could do that back then with only a few tools you can't do that anymore you gotta marry scouting with data analytics you have to do even more than that you have to be able to talk and look a guy in the eye like yohan mancata and no, he does not want to play baseball. You have to know that. You have to know Eloy Jimenez doesn't want to be baseball. So when Theo Epstein says, I got this kid named Leo, Eloy Jimenez, you say, go fuck yourself. You're not getting Jose Quintana. You say, go fuck yourself to Boston that you're not going to get Chris Sale. That is what you have to say. You're not getting Chris Sale for Yoan Mankata. We want somebody else. Who, who could play better, who actually wants to play the game. The questionnaires that they have for these players now to make sure that they want to play that trick them into telling them what they really want to know about that player. They, the infrastructure you have to set up. Chris Katz doesn't even know how to set that up. And even if he did, he wasn't going to, he's not going to ask for it one and he's not going to fucking get it to like, it's unbelievable. It's time and money. It's the two things. Not a lot of people want to get rid of in this, in, in this country or in this world. And that's the two things that Jerry Reinstorf, well, he has money, but he doesn't have time and he doesn't want to put the time in. He think, and that's what he said during the press conference. This is the quickest way to getting back to a winner. There's no such thing as that in baseball anymore. There is no such thing. And there hasn't been that for over a decade. Come on. It's ridiculous. I mean, you can, you can turn a team around pretty quickly through free agent acquisitions and, and through, developing your players i mean you can do that in major league baseball there have been teams that have done it in major league baseball but they also have owners that are willing to spend money they have pieces in place in their front office that know how to develop talent they yeah. have the the right people in the right places and what the what the white Sox have right now is a bunch of shit and that's all that they're giving the fans. That's all that they're giving this fan. And, and the only thing that they're going to get back to the fans is that this team's going to get sold and this team's going to move out of town. Yeah. And that's what the fan base is going to get. And it's sad because I don't see any way that any owner comes and buys this team and keeps it in Chicago. I really don't. I there I, I heard one thing that made sense earlier this week and that was what if michael jordan bought him or obama or obama yeah that i mean that was another one too obama's a smart guy um Which that's and, more reasonable and yeah and i think i liked your point he's not gonna be he's gonna be hands off with the team right and, and jordan played for the white Sox, and, and jordan's a chicago guy and he knows the city and and, and the, the fan base would love it um i rumor i believe that if if i remember correctly he was as a player constantly at Cubs games, though. So I don't know if that meant he was at a at a fan or if it was just a better like I don't know what what that case was, but I do remember him being at a lot of Cubs games as a, as a Bulls player. So I don't know if he would even have interest 
in buying the Chicago White Sox. Yeah. And I don't know what, Barack, well, I heard Barack Obama said it tongue in cheek. Like that's basically what the, or I finally got to the article. Megan TV. Right? Yeah. Right. Fight, fight. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Megan TV. I don't know if I have a lot of fight left. Uh, and I don't know if there's any game of Thrones fans out there, but little finger gats wormed his way in, uh, his character from game of Thrones. who was a pimp and, Basically wormed his way in the same way Gats did. And it's it's ugly. It's like how um, Lovey Smith got ousted from the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers for, for the offensive coordinator there who kind of wormed his way in and got Lovey Smith kicked out. Yeah, it's disgusting. I wish I had it with me because that would have been the perfect segment because Chris Gats is like that, that meme I saw on Facebook the other day where it was a guy standing on the corner with a pimp suit and a sign that said homeless and whoreless, former pimp. <laughs> that's 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 the pimp that chris gets us okay i gets is a he's not the guy he's not the maybe he is maybe turns around maybe maybe none of us see it coming maybe jerry finally got one right but it's i i highly highly doubt it he hired him because he knew he wasn't going to ask for all that infrastructure he was going to ask for much money I hate to keep going back to the Tampa Bay but I'm raised, but I'm raised, but I'm going to. Uh, they have two decisions. They know they're not going to outspend anybody in that division, but they know if they spend fifty to one hundred million dollars in scouting and building the infrastructure, there, there's teams that salivate for the, the scouting talent that the Rays have, and they put in the money more than that. More than that. They put in the time to figure out who is the smart people to do things like that, to build that infrastructure. They put that money in and the time. And my my favorite part of Jerry Reinsdorf in his press conference when he was introducing Gantz was that he said he talked to people that he trusted that knew people around the game, which means he talked to Tony LaRussa and said, what should we do here? And and that's exactly what happened because any other owner in this game would have sat down with with somebody they would have called you know and I've done this before as is just a, being a carpenter like uh, where I am running a company I've called other companies that are doing it the same way but doing it a little bit better making a little bit more money and be like hey what are you doing that I'm not doing let let me pick your brain a little bit how are yeah. you running this how are you running that. Right, that's what a good owner would do. Even, Pick even his brain, but, but Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't do that. He's not calling life. the owner of the Rays. He's not calling the owner of maybe even the Reds at this point because you look at where they're standing right now. You you you're not calling any of these owners that are doing things that you see in the, in the model you want to follow. And I look, I for one, as a Cubs fan, I don't like when my GM says that they're going to follow the Rays you know, model, because I feel like we should spend more than that and we should keep talent. But for the White Sox right now, that would be a great model to follow. Yeah. A great model to follow. And you're not doing that. You're not making the calls. You're not doing the legwork because you are, have lost touch with what it takes to run a winning organization. And Jerry Reinsdorf has lost touch, and Jerry Reinsdorf needs to sell this team. But unfortunately, when he sells this team, they're going to end up in Nashville, Tennessee. Or or somewhere else. Jerry Paris says the White Sox bailed out the Angels for being the worst franchise. 
Yeah, still I mean, the Oakland A's. I mean, yeah, you still got the Oakland A's out there, yeah. but they, they they bailed out the Oakland A's too, and the Angels. I mean, he's got a good point. Yeah, that's two players in the WBC, which still is the best baseball we might see this year. And how bad is it that a team that traded their third, their fifth, their ninth, and their twenty three third prospect for players that they later waived it in September is worse than your organization? <laughs> It's it's something else, man. I mean, it's it's the most tested I've felt. And I'm a Bears fan. I'm a Bears fan. And it is the most tested I've been by an owner by ownership. Uh, Jared Bears says the A's are moving. They're at least trying to make a change. The owner is not trying to make a change. The owner is trying to make more money. The yeah. owner has has run that team in the ground. That fan base deserves better. Oakland deserves to have a baseball team and, and a relevant baseball team. He doesn't spend, he doesn't do anything to try to win. He is basically the same owner that the Pittsburgh pirates have. Yeah. But in pretty much. Yep. So he's the, uh, villain from made from the movie major league. Yeah. There you go. Except for, except for at least I hear he has testicles. <laughs> Speaking of testicles, it's time for some Fitz gibberish. Oh boy. Here we go. Nice palate cleanser after talking about the White Sox. Yes, it's Fitz gibberish. It's a diatribe, a conspiracy, and an island in the middle of unapologetic and mostly, mostly, usually <laughs> inaccurate sports talk. I want to start out today uh, diving Has into a little bit. anybody ever called you a palate cleanser? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one time, but I was experimenting in college. No, I mean, <laughs> anyway, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? Anyway, I'm uh, trying to get yeah. that phone going. Yes, no, but uh, I do. I do want to start with a video. This is Ryan Clark on Get Up on ESPN. Yes, I'm going to talk about ESPN, which I'm sure you love again. But anyway, the name of the show is Get Up. <sighs> and because I guess they have, for lack of a better uh, name for a show, they have to say Get Up. But uh, I'll bring it up here in a second. I edit up. He's talking about Jordan Love, by the way. And here we go. I mean, the folks in Green Bay should feel like they have the possibility of having the best quarterback in the entire NFC North. And I don't say that tongue-in-cheek. I don't say that with any hyperbole. When you look at just uh, Jordan Love, the thing you wanted to see coming into the preseason was, I don't need him to look like a rookie. This doesn't need to be a guy who's just getting his first start, who hasn't had much experience. And we haven't seen that from him throughout the preseason. If you're looking at him compared to Justin Fields, who Justin didn't play as much football as Jordan Love did in the preseason, I'm more comfortable with the way Jordan Love has commanded his offense than Justin Fields. Now, we know Justin Fields is ultimately talented especially with what he could do with his legs. But Jordan Love looked more composed. Jordan Love seemed to have a better understanding of where his guys would be. And the way that he was able to maneuver inside and outside of the pocket, especially pushing the football down the field, was extremely encouraging. Now, I'm not stupid. I understand that week one, once game planning starts to happen, Jordan Love is going to have to make adjustments as people get more film on him. With Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in the backfield – 
Christian Watkins looking like he Watson looking like he can be a guy. All right, that's 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 enough of that. Did he have to? <laughs> he have to use a napkin to wipe off his chin after he pulled Jordan Love out of his mouth. I know. It's like, first of all, when someone says I'm not stupid, that's probably a reason to think maybe they are stupid but anyway he said this is not hyperbole which is basically basically means exaggeration uh right after he predicts jordan love could be the best qb in the nfc north has every sports analyst transformed into jordan love's mother (laughs) while i wasn't looking also, Clark's uses the ESPN talking CTE head crutch with the word could. I could win the fucking lottery. Combs could, with the new AGM of the White Sox, be the center fielder next year. He says could to cover himself from whatever he says after that. Then you might as well just say nothing, Clark. Also, he lists what he saw from him and the him being Jordan Love in the preseason. And that is proof he will be better than Fields. Actually brings Fields up in the conversation. The same guy who had the fifth best QBR rating that we've detailed on this show after week seven with two hurt real receivers and five sacks of shit. But Love showed poise. And threw the ball in the air over 20 yards in the preseason. Let's pop some champagne for the Green Bay Packers, everybody. For a guy who's thrown 83 passes in real games. Practice with fans, basically, he's taking this off of. That's what preseason is. It's practice with fans. Wow. They will let just about anyone on TV these days and do a podcast, I guess. Uh, Look, Jordan Love could be great or he'll do what most QBs do in the NFL. Suck ass. Pump the damn brakes and get real NFL and NFL analysts. I thought they cleared the decks at ESPN. What the fuck is Ryan Clark still doing on my screen? All right, NFL, or what I like to call it, basketball without traveling. That's Fitz gibberish. Thanks, my friends. Combs. Look, the lately on ESPN and kind of basically even on NFL Network and nationally, the love for Jordan Love, no pun intended, has been pretty ubiquitous. Like, yeah, everywhere. They, it's yeah they just it you hear about it and hear about it and hear about it and you're like how how like ryan clark said i liked what i saw more from him than what i saw from justin fields what? jordan love has done nothing in the nfl nothing. justin fields had one mvp vote last year three interceptions and three tds and 83 passes like what what? what what have you seen from this guy against second string defenses? Like you uh, have not seen it. Look, I Jordan Love, like you said, their scheme, not even playing their real scheme. What they're really right? going to do with the talent that they've adjusted in the NFL, the you know teams change every year. Whatever, they're not showing you anything. Jared Parrott says, "I'd rather hear about CM Punk than Jordan Love." <laughs> <laughs> 
It's look, Jordan Love is one of those guys that's getting a ton of love that at this point is unwarranted. I mean, we here on on this show, it's the Chicago show. We love our Bears. We've talked about Justin Fields, but we've also talked about how much he still has to prove. Yes. Things that he still has to show. Now we believe that he's going to prove those things. We believe he's going to show those things. We've seen signs that lead us to believe that in the regular season. And now he's got weapons. And now if he doesn't, if if this doesn't work for him now, it's never going to work for him. If he is not the guy this year, I will tell you, Justin Fields is never going to be the guy. No. Three, third year is big, even though the first year you kind of can't count. But go ahead. But I will also tell you that Justin Fields is light years ahead of Jordan Love at this point. You've seen nothing from this guy other than the fact no. that he sat behind a, one of the grumpiest quarterbacks in the league <laughs> who probably didn't even talk to him for the three years that Jordan Love was there. Yeah. Didn't like it when Jordan Love was drafted. Was right. was visibly unhappy about it. not just visibly. People knew he he was unhappy. He never said it. A right. lot, but it's it it is unbelievable the pretzels people have put themselves in to to. I wasn't even gonna, you know, I haven't been feeling well. I wasn't even gonna do Fitz gibberish. Ryan Clark, thank you, uh, for giving me a Fitz gibberish today. Because uh, why would you bring up Justin Fields? You're yeah. not going to bring up Kirk Cousins, who's been, you know, probably the most is the most successful quarterback in the in in the NFC North right now, and and who's at limbo with his contract with a team that is is True. is visibly trying to lose right now and trading everybody away from him. Yeah, it's uh, it's unbelievable. Fucking Downing Thomas. Fitz only talking shit after Aaron Rodgers left town. That's see, people <laughs> ask me all the time. I, my my son, who's a, a Patriots fan, said, thanks for dumping Rodgers on us. I would rather Rodgers still be in Green Bay right now. Oh, because yeah. I would rather watch Jordan Love beat the Packers with Aaron Rodgers still in town. That would have been better to me than watching him beat Jordan Love because I, I feel like they should beat Jordan Love. Um which is a good, great segue into us talking some Bears football. Um, this is Fitz's flu game. <laughs> <laughs> you have to hold me up, Combs. I, <laughs> I every week. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, so Ass. The, Bears, the Bears say, <laughs> love you. The Bears say, <laughs> That they are at 99% health. The Eberflu says he expects everybody, with the exception of Tevin Jenkins, to be healthy for week one. Awesome. And to be ready to go. Great news. It is great news. Uh, I don't know how the offensive line is yeah. going to operate with not having a ton of time together, not having a ton of reps. We've had uh, Nate Jones, who I still don't even know if he's practiced yet. Um communicating with rookie guards like so I, I do have some question marks heading into week one uh i do believe that they're better than the packers but if they lose this game are fans going to turn on justin fields quickly i don't think so i think that would be a little much i mean the green have bay packers seen bears fans in this town proven wise 
the Green Bay Packers around Jordan Love might have a better team. I, I don't know yet. There's a lot of unproven's on the Bears. So you can't say, you know, you know, uh, the, but around him, the, the Packers have a better defense. O- almost definitely will have a better defense this year, you know, considering injuries and just guys regressing, you know, the Bears might have a better defense, but it looks like the Packers are going to have a better defense for sure. Uh, probably have a more proven running game too for the Packers. I, you know, I, I wouldn't say that. It, it just depends. I mean, there's another people on ESPN saying, oh, yeah, you know, Justin Fields could have a better year than Jordan Love. Like, why are we comparing these two people? I mean, I, I I don't even know why. They're nowhere near on the same trajectory right now. They haven't had the same snaps. Jordan Love has has had kid gloves for three years. Compared to Jordan Jordan, compared to Justin Fields, who's gone through the fucking ringer the last two years, 55 sacks and Matt Nagy. I mean, I, I, I just don't care. I just don't know how we're comparing these guys. I, I, I mean, I guess it's inevitable you're going to. It's the Green Bay Packers, but uh, and it's the Chicago Bears. But this guy's in his first year. Like, pump yeah. the fucking brakes. Well, that was like when people started comparing Mac Jones to Tom Brady because Mac Jones took over <laughs> for Tom Brady in New England, and you were like, "Wait, what? Like, we're gonna compare this guy to the greatest quarterback of all time, not Joe Montana?" Like, I I don't know why we do this. I don't know why we compare players to players. For one, they're in completely different situations. They have completely different weapons. They have completely different coaches. They have completely different schemes. They're in completely different franchises. And we want to compare them all. Well, if if Jordan Love does go out and have a better season than Justin Fields, it doesn't necessarily mean that Justin Fields is not the right guy for the Bears. It just means that Jordan Love went out and he had a better season. It means that he had better coaching. It means that he had better players. It means that he had better everything around him. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, you know, we, we talk about it all the time. Look, you can see greatness when you see greatness. Patrick Mahomes, we know Patrick Mahomes is great. The guy's been to two Super Bowls or three Super Bowls now in his first five years in the league. Like, that's that's great. We we know, you know, Tom Brady was great and Joe Montana were great because they went to so many Super Bowls. But even like, against Tampa, without the right people assembled around Mahomes, he wasn't able to with that Tampa defensive line. He no, wasn't he got able Tom Brady. Yeah, he got Tom Brady. But we'll see that all the time too. I see people all the time. Oh, uh, Mahomes versus Burrow. Mah- uh, Burrow's three and three and one against Mahomes. Well, no, Burrow's three and one against Kansas City's defense, and and Mahomes is one and three against Cincinnati's defense. They don't play against each other. Yes, against the other team's defense. Like, it, but we compare it because that's just it's something to talk about, and that's what we like to do, and we like to get all excited about you know, oh well, this and that. You look at the trajectory of of Justin Fields. Some people will compare him to to Josh Allen. Then some people compare him to his first twenty five games of Jamarcus Russell. Who was who had a better record than Justin Fields at this point? But not realizing they were in completely different situations with completely different organizations, yeah. with completely different coaches. Demarcus Russell didn't have to suffer through a year of Matt Nagy. 
who I watched videos of today throwing a ball 50 yards through through goalposts yeah. and, and teams uh, cheering for him, then said, your, your, your offensive coordinator can't do this. No, but my offensive coordinator uh, can make adjustments at halftime, which yeah. your offensive coordinator cannot. So, and luckily, you have Andy Reid, who's basically a genius. Donnie yes. Thomas at it again. Fitz, first opportunity to talk G- Green Bay QB shit since he was nine years old. And that is wrong, too, Doubting Thomas. That is wrong. Because the Packers had Don Juan Magikowski back then, who was much better than Jim Harbaugh. Well, I talk, I talk Green Bay quarterback shit now. You yeah. want to talk? Uh, Green Bay fans hate me. Because I can I can trigger Green Bay fans, and I I just did it a couple days ago. Somebody posted, trigger a fan base with one sentence. My one sentence was, Aaron Rodgers has as many Super Bowl appearances as Rex Grossman. Yes. And holy crap, did my <laughs> notifications blow up. Because <laughs> it completely triggered that fan base. Look, great. You've had 30 straight years of Hall of Fame quarterback play with two Super Bowls. That's not good, right? <laughs> well, I mean, it's still it's still one more than what the Bears have been to in that time, and it's still thirty more years of Hall of Fame quarterback play than the Bears have had in that time. Yes, you know what I mean. But again, you gotta be thirty to zero. I tell I tell Packers fans all the time: stop comparing yourself to the Bears. You want to be this great organization? Compare yourself yeah. to the Patriots. Yeah, Compare they're, yourself they're to, to 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 the to the Kansas city chiefs, but you're not doing that. You're comparing yourself to the bears. You know why? Because it's an easy argument because this has been a shit organization organization for a long time. We can argue about this, but there's no argument. Even with all the shit happening with the white Sox, the bears organization right now currently is worse. I mean, I know it's right now. Currently, no, I'm just saying the, the well the bears over were time yes it. but not and right now time, yes not cr- I'm just saying up to this point I I take the white Sox over them I mean Jesus they haven't done shit since yes. 1985 they're like uh, every other team has had a 4000 yard passer than the bears right. I mean yes you're I'm just trying to agree with you and you're being an asshole well, no. What I'm saying is that, like, if if you were the if you're the Minnesota Twins right now, do you want to compare yourself to the the I don't know the Tampa Bay Rays or the um, yeah. Boston Red Sox? You want to compare yourself to the Chicago White Sox and the Oakland A's? Because no. that, be that, but you could compare yourself to that because you could be like, hey, look, I want to feel better about myself. So look what exactly. we've done compared to this shitty ass organization. And that's what Packers fans do time after time after time. And it, it, then you have to put them in their place a little bit and remind them that, hey, yes, you've had 30 years of quarterback play, but you've only had two Super Bowls, and one of them was gifted to you by our quarterback because he decided to ride a bicycle. <laughs> so stop. He had an MCL tear. He he was a bitch and decided he, to ride a bike. He's got the bad. He had the bad sugar. He was a bitch. He had diabetes. Dude, I I wish he would have dropped dead on that bike. Oh, my God. Christian Cavallari would have been better off. Stop that. I I hate Jay Cutler for what he did. I I wanted to, when I went to ESPN, because I went to ESPN Football Fest last Sunday. uh, Amazing time, by the way. If you've never been next year, you should definitely go $10 to get you in the door. And they did an amazing job. 
at their football fest. I wanted, I was hoping that they would have some some former Bears players there. There was rumors that Briggs might be there, Erlocker might be there, because I wanted to have a conversation with them because I wanted to ask them about that. I wanted to ask them if they blame him just as much as the fans do. And I wanted to ask them that privately. Well, there's no microphones on. Well, there's no, it's just us talk. Do you do that? Because they could tell me yes. And then I could come on this podcast and say, and they could be like, I never said it. And who are people going to fucking believe? They're not going to believe me. They're going to believe the Hall of Fame. Right. So I just wanted to know for myself if they, because if you have to, you have to blame him for that. Shanna says Cutler was a joke. Even his ex-wife calls him a control freak. Yeah, but but I like him to be a control freak. I would have liked that. Johnny's depth, Johnny Depp's ex-wife also calls him a control freak. So there's always two sides to a story. Okay, let's back up here. (laughs) Johnny Depp looks like he took all the drugs. He did for years. The man admits for a while. Yeah. How are you a control freak and on that many drugs? And doubting Thomas, just to piss me off, says Preach Combs. <laughs> just to piss me off. Jeremiah says, I think we need to tear Combs MCL and ask him to move side to side. It's the only way to resolve this. So, Jeremiah Murray, funny you should mention that because I tore my MCL, my LCL, and my PCL in my left knee when I was in the Marine Corps. Two days, like later, two days later, I was on a rappel tower. So Thanks. yes, Thanks for I don't. <laughs> no problem. You know what? You know what else? I also have a guy, a seventy-year-old man. Well, he's probably more in his sixties. If he hears this podcast, kick my ass for calling him seventy. But oh boy, I had a player on my softball team this year. He was seventy who tore his ACL and his LCL and his PCL, and still played in our playoff bracket that weekend. Didn't hasn't had the surgery. He's waiting to have the surgery in November. Hmm. So uh, people come to me all the time. You, you, guess what? Josh yeah, Allen had a torn UCL. Had a torn UCL in his throwing elbow in the playoffs last year. Threw for three hundred yards. Hey, you know Joe Kelly. That one year, bro, I fucking broke my back pretty much. Pretty much yes. broke his back. He pretty much broke his back. Fuck Jay Cutler. I'm so done. <laughs> Jay Cutler pisses me off more than the White Sox. <laughs> what? How is that even possible? Because it, we should have won a Super Bowl that year. Instead, we allowed the Green Bay fucking Packers to win it. Your rival. Just like I would hate any player on the Cubs who decided that he couldn't pitch in Game 7 of the NLCS against the St. Louis Cardinals, and then the St. Louis Cardinals go on to win a World Series. I would hate them for life, too. Fuck you, Jay Cutler. (laughs) Go ride a bike, you dick. You You can't get over it. I, I will never get over it. Just, that's it. Podcast over. The like if I, if I would have talked, if I would have talked, no. See, so like We're that's why I wanted to talk. Porch, drinking, <laughs> drinking, <laughs> drinking warm old style, 
and talking well, about an old game. That's that's my, why I wanted to talk to Briggs, Briggs or Erlocker and have a conversation to find out if they believe. Because you know what? There was a, a former player who changed my mind about the Pete Rose scenario getting into the Hall of Fame. Johnny Bench changed my mind on that. I was always pro Pete Rose getting into the Hall of Fame. And then Johnny Bench having a conversation with him said, you know what? I, I love Pete. He was a great teammate, but he broke the one rule. And he changed my mind through our conversation about Pete Rose getting into the Hall of Fame. So I would have changed my mind had they came out and said, no, you know what? We don't blame color. We did this, this, and this, and this is what costs us. I would probably change my mind then. But I need to hear it from somebody who was there. Until then, fuck you, Jay Cutler. Doubting Thomas. He put an exclamation point at the end this time. I hope Kristen Cavallari is with his something. brother. <laughs> Does he have a brother? I know Erlacher if, if he doesn't, I volunteer to be his brother. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, Here we go. Shanna Trust says, at least I don't live in the same county as Jay Cutler. You live close to Jay Cutler. I will send you something that I need you to drop off on his porch and run pretty quickly. (laughs) 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 At any rate. Fat rolls for that. It's closing time. (laughs) Yeah, I do have enough fat rolls for that. It's closing time, and we always close with news around the world. We hope to. So I'm going to let you go first because I might go on another rant when I talk about my news story. All right. I like it. How did I lose my... Jeremiah Murray says Shanna might have been the ones killing his goats. (laughs) I would have done it. Let me get get my article up. I thought I had it up. It's about UFOs. It's about UFOs, which have been in the news a lot. Oh, God. Can I talk about UFOs just a little bit? Sure. Let me get the ambiance. Let me get the... I need, I need some ambiance here. I feel like you're the U.S. government, and you're just shielding me from something else you don't want me to oh, know Oh, here we go. <laughs> hat. We need, both need to have tinfoil hats. <laughs> so... Yes, the Pentagon office to investigate UFOs revealed on Thursday a new website where the public can ask access declassified information about reported sightings. The site will be operated by an all domain all domain anomaly resolution office. AARO. A relatively new Pentagon program established to analyze reports of what the government officially refers to as unidentified anomalous or aerial phenomenon. Because UFO wasn't enough. We need another fucking acronym. You bunch of fucking clowns. The Department of Defense announced the website in a press release. So there's a website. You can go there. The department is committed to transparency with the American people on the AARO's work on UAP, which is UFO. This website will serve as a one-stop shop for all publicity of avi- all publicly available information related to the AARO and UAP and a what the fuck with these acronyms. So, yes. <laughs> There's UFOs, basically. There is. There's UFOs. Man, look into it a little bit. Go down the rabbit hole. Combs. I I I'm not 
think I'm not of the mind that doesn't think that there's UFOs. I do, I do believe there's UFOs. There's got. I mean, there's got to be life. I believe I'm there's other life here, but I mean, bacteria is a is signs of life on Mars. I mean, a heartbeat's not signs of life on Earth. But I'm just saying, you know. if if it's if it's unveiled finally in 2024, Bears got two number one draft picks next year. Maybe you get an alien or two on your team. <laughs> Maybe the White Sox could sign them. <laughs> I'll give you that. And that and that one right there was charity. The next one, I'm driving to the south side. That's all I'm saying. It's only 25 minutes away. I'm breaking <laughs> your door down. So you wait, you being in the military. Yes. I know you're not you weren't in like you weren't in aviation or anything. No. Do we hear any shit? No. Did no. Did you hear any I, shit? No, no I never heard anything about UFOs space. or aliens. This is a safe space. Huh? This is a safe space. I know it's I look, if you I had heard something, I would have told you. You could say whatever you want. I'm I'm no longer in, and trust me, if I had something to say, I would definitely say it. But I never heard anything about UFOs when I was in the military. Um, you can say it. I would say it. I, that's what I'm telling you. I would say it. I mean, I tell people all the time about what you know where I was on 9/11 and what happened to us when we were on base on 9/11. I mean, we were ordered to shoot down anything that flew overhead. Nobody oh, knows yeah, that. That's a weird story. That yeah, and so I like I don't I don't have a problem saying so. We never we were never um we never had a a UFO talk or discussion. Um, they were more they were more worried about us catching STDs and and you know getting sexual assault charges when we went out into town than they were about talking <laughs> about UFOs. So, Joe <laughs> Boo, up there, so. Here we go. Get it on. All right. We're 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 gonna get it on. I can hear. <laughs> so this is Cobes gibberish. It's a diatribe. I'm stuck. <laughs> so their college football happened this weekend, which we didn't talk a whole lot of. But look, Notre Dame's two and zero. They've beaten a lot of great Navy and, and, and beat Tennessee State. I, I like the way they look. Um, they're beating teams they should be like 45 yeah i, I mean it's it, it yeah it's just like his 15th year in the league <laughs> um so i i'm all right with it um you know georgia georgia had the same guy last year in sets and bennett and they won a national title so i don't yeah, even care there you go here we go so college football came back there were a lot of good things and a game that i was locked into yesterday was colorado and tcu as Fitz pours himself another. <laughs> I tried to <laughs> <find> it. So, <laughs> where there, TCU Colorado, TCU 17th ranked team in the country. TCU was, TCU was, I mean, look, it, it's not like waters in my country. <laughs> anyway. Okay, um, glad. Sorry. So, TCU Colorado, 
uh, Colorado walked in, and I, I was very interested in it just because I'm a big fan of Deion Sanders. I'm a big fan of Coach Prime. I'm a big fan of what he's Me doing too. there, and I think Me he's going too, to bring absolutely. Colorado back to prominence. Yep. I like what he's doing. And the game was back and forth. It was a, a classic game for the first game of the season. Like it, it might be the game of the year, and it was the first game of the season. And it was very enjoyable to watch. And then they had the post-game press conference. And a reporter was there who wrote a story when Dion got hired about how he hadn't proven himself enough to to get this job. And there were other candidates. And he's bringing his son over from an HBCU college. And the talent in the HBCU is not the same as the talent that he's going to be facing in Division One. And I agree with that part of it. Because it's not the same talent you're going to be facing at Colorado. It's not the same talent that you're going to be facing week in and week out. You're not no. you're, you, when you're at an HBCU. You're not playing TCU. You're not playing USC. You're not playing all these teams that their Colorado is going to be playing this year. But I was excited about Coach Prime. I thought maybe he was wrong about other guys who were more suited for the job i felt like he was wrong about that i think coach prime what he did at jackson state and what he did there i think he proved that he deserved a shot at a especially at a with a college whose program has been defunct for over 20 years and we talked about on this show when when he had transfers coming and people were bitching about it it's the rules like okay yeah yes go on so Coach Prime went on to talk about how people feel threatened that there is a confident black coach leading black men in the locker room and basically insinuating that people aren't ready for black coaches, good black coaches, to be exact. And I don't understand the need to create narratives that just aren't there. Now, I was watching this game because I was excited about what Deion Sanders is bringing to Colorado. Mm -hmm. I was watching this game because I was excited to see what he could do with the players that he believed in that he brought over through the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. I was excited to see if TCU could be as good as they were last year, who were in the national championship game. Now they're not even close to the same team, hence the number 17 ranking. But when Shador goes out there and throws for 510 yards, Shador Sanders, Deion's son, throws for 510 yards in four touchdowns. Now there's some things they need to work on on defense because they did give up 40-something points. Um, there's some things they need to work on with the run game because they couldn't run the ball very well. Mm-mm. But Shador Sanders did everything that he needed to do and prove that he is the real deal. Yeah, was terrific, really. A lot of screens, but, but terrific. We don't, we don't need to create the narrative that we're not ready for a black coach <laughs> or for black quarterbacks to succeed because we're already there. I mean, Notre Dame has a black head coach. You're looking at coaches in the in the NFL. One of the best head coaches in the NFL is a black head coach. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Never had a losing season, and I believe uh, was it now eleven seasons 
as a head coach for the Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers. Tomlin, great. And, and there's black coaches all over college football that are very good head coaches. You Notre Dame has it. one of them. I was people were so excited at the hire at Notre Dame. Yeah. When he walked into that locker room, the players mobbed him. They were so happy that he was there, that he was going they to be that heard, coach. They heard Morgan Freeman, right? <laughs> they, yeah. They were so they were so happy for Coach Freeman that <laughs> ass. They were so happy for him that they mobbed him. They were so happy to be done with Brian Kelly. Yeah. But we keep creating a narrative. Really? For no reason. Like I would understand, I would understand if this article was written that said, you know, Colorado doesn't need to go in this direction. They need this guy, this guy, whatever the case is. But the article wasn't even that far off. And for you to go out there, and it had nothing to do with race. And you wanted to make race a part of it. There's no reason for that. Because everybody's excited for you. There was a commercial during the game that said, tune in next week for Coach Prime's first home game. How many times do you see a commercial pumping up a football team for the head coach? Never. And and, and this was a commercial during the game? Like, what are we talking about? we, We fight at windmills. You know, uh, we, you know, uh, swing at imaginary monsters in this country. Now, there is enough stuff to get in in every week. Fitz Shiver should tell you about it because it's because I talk about stuff that's not even that big a deal and get mad about it. There's enough stuff to get mad about in this country. There's enough stuff we need to fix in this country. Yes. And I and I know, you know, we'll never get to where a Martin Luther King wanted to get to. Right. I, I know we won't, but th- that's why it was a fucking dream. But we're a lot farther than we were when I was fucking 10. We're a lot farther than we were before I was born. I mean, at, at this point, to be still talking about a black man being a head coach and to you be watching the goddamn mud hens play whoever the fuck on your goddamn TV while I'm trying to talk to you is insane. It's Clemson and Duke, not the Muddens. <laughs> oh, wow. You made a good case for yourself there. But anyway, like to still be having a conversation like this right now it is sort of insane. And, you know, Jeremiah brings up a gr- actually a really great point uh, that he might have just been trying to motivate the team. You know, it's a way for him to motivate young black players. He's just using it as a tool. I, I get that, but we've seen this before. Somebody using something as a tool to further his career. And and you can argue with me all you want about it, but Donald Trump did it. And a lot of politicians do it. Uh, You, you know, Jesus, Biden does it too. I'm not going to pick on one side or the other. Politicians do it all the time. And, and it's sleazy. It is. And I, I thought he was above this, to tell you the truth. I think he's a really intelligent guy. Yeah, he's combative. Have I disagreed with him before? But this kind of, yeah, this irked me a lot. I knew you were going to talk about it today, and I, I, I didn't think you were going to go in this direction with it, but I'm glad you did because when I saw it, it there's just certain things now that just... 
I, I commented the same thing that I just said. I commented on a Facebook post that somebody put out there, and I said, look, I just want to know where this is coming from. I want to know where where you know this is at that somebody said that that Shador wasn't him and that Shador wasn't and, and because when you say well people are saying this and people no it was one person who said it people weren't saying it people were excited for this hire people were excited to watch to see what Deion Sanders son could do at quarterback at Colorado yeah. people were excited for this so don't create that narrative and and some idiot comes back at me on Facebook and says well what do you know about what it's like to be a slave? I commented back the same thing you know about it. Yeah. Because what are we talking about? Because believe it or not, now there is slaves in this world. Yes. You live in America. You're not one of them. We talk about it. We talk about it all the time. We, I, I, and I've said this before, and I've had very good conversations with lots of people of lots of different ethnicities in this country and i've served with a lot of people that i call a brother who have different skin colors than me and you know the one thing i've always said is that slavery never ended slavery expanded it evolved they called it a 40-hour work week yeah and we all work and we all get paid and then what do we do we spend our money and where does it go right back into the pockets of the people that paid us yes we get taxed yes and then we pay sales tax. They, they took the shackles off. They expanded slavery and they realized that they can make more money by yep. giving us a little bit more freedom. I remember I was 16. Someone told me about property tax. Yeah, I don't know how I lived that long without knowing about it, but there's property tax. Like, are any of us free? I mean, <laughs> you have to pay for your property. You'll never own it. You'll never own yep. property ever ever the indians we stole this land from were more free than i mean it, it, we can go on and on about that native but, americans can't call them indians anymore yeah. what the fuck the fucking redskins yeah, we stole it right. from <laughs> the commanders <laughs> <laughs> at any rate shannon so says there's taxed even at death it's true because you get taxes on your funeral at any rate, it's closing time. It's time for us to get out of here. We hope you enjoyed another episode of Windy City Sports Talk. And join us on Sunday, week one of the Chicago Bears. New time. We are going to be on before every Bears game. We'll have a Bears pregame show for you. This week's game is at 3.30. So I believe we are planning on starting the show at 1.30. And uh, shut up. <laughs> we may be live on location as well. So you may be able to join us live at a bar here Stop on the that. south side. We'll let you know here soon. But this Sunday, Chicago Bears pregame show right here with Combs and Fitz. Till then, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies. We'll see you later. Stop that.